Well, I'm sure glad to be here. How about you? Amen. Sure is a good place to be today. All right, let's see. Did I go did I go out here or something, Tom? Am I still on? Okay, we're on. Uh, let's see. Number one, uh, they told you about the marriage thing. We need to get our sign-ups in, our registration in, and our money paid, and all those kind of things for the marriage thing. It's going to be awesome, going to be good. I know that Katie got you lined up really good and fired up, so we'll get it all taken care of so we can get a bunch of us down there and have a really good time on that day. Amen? Amen. Let's see. Well, Mrs. Pastor and I are kind of tender-hearted today. We were a little bit late because we took Joe down for his final phase of going to boot camp, and it was kind of teary-eyed down there at the Marine place a little bit ago saying goodbye for right now to Joe. But Joe is a uh, Psalms 91 man of God. He lives in a secret place of the Most High, abides in the shadow of the Almighty. And uh, Joe's going to do really great, do really good, and fulfill the plan and purpose of God for his life. He's wanted to be a Marine ever since he was a little boy. So his dream's coming to pass, but still, when your dad and mom was kind of touchy, it just, you know, just does something to you. So anyway, that that part there, and then also today, how many need a, a, a sermon outline? Did you not get one? If you didn't get a sermon outline, hold up your hand. Okay, back there. Anthony, good to see you. Good to see you and your friend. Amen. Good to be here. All right. All right, do you notice the title of that outline? Young people, Jesus has a good life planned for you. And what this is about, when I was uh, seeking the Lord this week on what he wanted to say to this congregation on Sunday, I kept seeing faces of our congregation, especially the 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, that's young people, 20s, 30s, 40s of the young people, and thinking about the uncertainty of the times we live in. And, you know, uh, you're not the pastor that works the prayer line and talks to the people to hear the prayer requests coming up here, to hear the ones that text me and call me and come up for prayer, and then the reports that I get from the other people in the church tell me about what young people are going through. And we're in some very, very, very serious times. But uh, this message is for everybody. I mean, whether you're little, big, or old, or however old you are, but especially 20s, 30s, 40-year-old couples, uh, single parents, wherever you are, that God wants you to know that if you stick with Him, everything's going to be okay. And things are going to come out right. And as I was up here worshiping God with you a minute ago, I was thinking about uh, some different things and asked the Lord for some examples to help you today. And one thing I was thinking of this back when I first uh, got born again back in 1980, a lot of times I heard an example back then. We didn't have all these digital radios even now. Now beyond digital radios, they got satellite. But we used to have to turn a little knob. And we had a little orange line on our car radio and even on our house radios and even on our TV sets. But anyway, we had a little orange line. If you was driving down the road, you had to just turn that back and forth just right to get a signal because signals come off of antennas back then. And if you got out of range, you couldn't get it. So you had to tune it just right to get the radio signal to come in. They were broadcasting all the time. If you wasn't on the right wavelength, you didn't hear what they were saying. And you might have missed out on some traffic information, uh, bad weather information, or something else going on you need to know about. So anyway, preacher used that example a lot about the radio. And I, I was thinking, oh, well, I'm talking to young people today. They won't even know what it is we're talking about. But anyway, I said, Lord, what's the example? They'll understand. And he told me the cell phone. 
And so think about this. There's a lot of information out there that people love you, want to get to you sometimes. But with your cell phone, what I've seen happens with a lot of young people, they let the battery run down. They miss calls. They miss important things because their battery run down. And so if you don't keep your battery charged up, there might be something out there that could have helped you a lot in life today, but you wasn't hooked up. Or it might be, it might be you're on some network that doesn't broadcast real good. Because I know out here in the desert especially, there's, there's different, a lot of different cell networks. And I talk to different people. Some people have some, they miss nothing. And some people have networks that miss about everything. Because they thought, I'm going to cheap out. Man, I want the $10 a month deal. But you miss all your calls. You miss all your texts. You miss important things because you cheaped out. And then, and then also what I've noticed about these cell phones, we got things called data plans. And it depends on what you pay for, how much data you get. And so if you have a little bit, but you fill up with goofy games and stuff that don't matter about anything, and then somebody has something really important to give you, you can't receive anymore because you're already loaded with dumb stuff. And so you miss out on everything. And I said that to say this concerning the things of God. We're going to be looking at the things today that I personally, as a man of God, have walked in for a long time, and a lot of people here have, but we've got one thing in common, the ones that walk in the blessings of God, we stay charged up. We don't overload our spirit with junk to where there's nothing comes out but junk. We try to fill our spirit up all the time with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and we don't get overloaded where there's no room for the good stuff. And then we stay in range. We come to church. I want to tell you one thing. You'll get more answers at a church service than you will any other time in life. Why is that? There's a thing called the corporate anointing. All believers have an individual anointing according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, verse 27. says so we have a believer's anointing. But then when we come in together as a congregation, you bring your anointing, I bring my anointing, we all bring our anointing in, and when that anointing is multiplied, there's the glory of God at a church service. And you get in a church service, we are overwhelmed with Holy Spirit anointing, Holy Spirit power, where the pastor will be preaching, or somebody will be testified, or something will happen, and we'll start saying something, and then sometimes say, well, I don't know why I'm saying this. Well, I don't say that anymore because I always know why I'm saying it. Because when I'm saying something that wasn't at all my plan, that's because somebody in here has their antenna up, has their cell phone hooked up, and God's wanting to talk down to your spirit. And so I'm the broadcaster at the moment. as it because you're here, I'm here, I'm sensitive to God, you're hungry for God, that God talks through me to give you something. But if you this day said, well, you know what? Uh, I went to church already three times last month. I'm going to the beach today. Well, let me ask you something. Is the beach open on Saturday? Is it open on one of those other days last week you had off? Was the church open on that day? Probably not. But today's your big day. So we have to sometimes make decisions about where we want our cell phone to be. Do we want it to be with the network that has all the broadcasting going on? Or do we want to cheap out and take something lesser where we say, man, I wish I'd have got that message. Well, you have to get it by showing up, being tuned up, getting charged up, so you can get filled up. And then when you do, God's going to give you answers, because I'll tell you what, we're going to preach something today that I really know is going to change your life forever if you'll listen, if you'll do 
what God wants you to do, nothing, nothing, nothing going on in this world today is catching Jesus off guard. The Old Testament prophets, the New Testament prophets, at Jesus our Lord, the Gospels warned us about the last days. He told us how evil it was going to be, how ugly it was going to be. And I was telling my son Joe this morning down at the Marine Base down there, I was telling Joe this morning, uh, was talking about some of these things, and I said, you know what, Joe? Dr. Barclay has preached Isaiah 60 as long as I've known him about it. The last days, it's going to get gross darkness. Darker and darker, it's going to get lighter and lighter for people to choose to stay hooked up with God in church. I heard Dr. Summerall, Dr. Lester Summerall, great prophet of God, uh, 35 years ago or longer. I'd hear him talking about the last days. He said, the last days, he said, it's going to get darker and darker if you choose the world. But if you choose God, you choose church, it's going to get brighter and brighter. And God's not going to force anybody. You choose this day what you want, the dark or the light. And so anyway, today, I'm just particularly preaching to 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, young families, young parents, et cetera, et cetera, but for all of us. But I want you to really take note today, listen with your heart. And I've already prayed that the Lord would lead me on anointed bunny trails. And so if I begin to hit some things that I'm not even thinking of in my head, it's going to come out of my spirit where the Holy Spirit is in me with the pastor's grace, the pastor's anointing. And God's going to say things to me today that's going to help give you hope. That's going to give you light. That's going to show you what to do with where you live. But uh, there's an old saying, I know what it means because I see it all the time. We own horses. We've got a couple horses still. We had four now. We've got two. There's an old saying all the time used to hear, you lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And so our horses, I know sometimes our horses want to be stupid. 110 degrees weather, and they're thirsty all day long, drink all their water. And this happened to me just Friday. I come over, I filled their water up again, and all they did stuck their butts my direction and walked the other way. And I knew they was thirsty. And so... I walked away, so I walked way back. They got over there. They wanted the water. They wanted to do it their way. And so, as a pastor, I could lead you like Jesus told us about in Psalms 23. He says, lead you to the green grass, still waters. I could lead you to the good grass and the waters, but I can't make you drink it. What do you mean by drinking it, pastor? I mean, just because I preach it and the Holy Spirit anoints it, doesn't mean it'll work in your life unless you choose to change some things. You've got to choose. I want to do what God's Word says to do and what God's speaking to my heart to do. And then, you know, you get either one or two things. You keep on going along being dumb and trying it your way, which obviously it hadn't worked, or you wouldn't be looking for the answers. Or you say, you know what? I've tried this and tried this and tried this. It's not working. But I see other people's working it, so I'm going to just change what I'm doing. I'm going to change how I think. I'm going to change what I read. I'm going to change how I talk. And I'm going to start praying different. Amen. And so you do those kind of things, and you'll change. So I'm going to lead you some good water today, except for you to drink it. Amen. Somebody shout. Amen. Amen. Look at Psalms 37. Really good psalm. How many have ever fed on Psalms 37 very much? I'll tell you what, in some of my darkest times of life, Psalms 37 has carried me through for weeks and weeks and months and months sometimes. Just Psalms 37, the things and the promises that are made in this psalm. And uh, 
like Monica quoted from Psalms 34 a while ago, it seemed like every song we had today was said the same thing, like what I'm going to preach today about crying out to God. He's your help. He's your refuge. And uh, he's always with you. He always wants to help you. And so these Psalms in this particular uh, section of the Bible are so good. But Psalms 37, as I was thinking about the young people sitting their faces in my prayer closet, I was thinking about this verse. King David said, I've been young and now I'm old. Yeah, I kind of relate with that. I don't call myself old, but uh, for senior discounts, I let them call me old. But said, yet, I've, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. So that's talking about a man or woman of God and their children. God doesn't want you homeless. He doesn't want you dependent on somebody else to have to take care of you all the time. He doesn't want you to be a beggar or your kid being beggars. He wants you to be blessed. That word blessed means empowered to prosper. God has given us the empowerment to prosper. One of those things is bringing your tithe into the storehouse and talking right, living right. Anyway, uh, as I look at this, I think about how dark the world looks. And so many people probably identify with this psalm here on the negative side thinking, wow, it looks like we're going to be begging. We're going to be, don't know what we're going to do. Our, our, our last check's coming in. Our last this is getting ready to happen. Uh, this is going to be my, my last week on the job. And all these kind of things need more and more and more and more. But he said, I've been young, now I'm old. I can tell you, I consistently see that the righteous don't lose. They win in life. And so identify King David after 65 years of life so far, 37 and a half years of that, been a serious born-again Christian. I didn't say that for 37 and a half years I was a Christian. I know a lot of people say they're Christians. I see no Christian fruit. For 37 and a half years, I've been a serious born-again Christian. When I found out at 28 and a half years old that Jesus was real, I gave my life to him. And I knew that because Jesus was real, I knew the devil was real. And I knew the Lord gave me a revelation, I think probably about the first or second week I was born again, because all of a sudden I came from darkness to light. I saw a whole different world I didn't know existed. I did not know this spiritual arena existed because I wasn't raised in a church family. But the Lord, as a baby Christian, I'm getting ready to say something, made this so real to me, it's always stuck with me. Because the people I've watched in life, Christians that play games, is this. That no human being is any match for the devil. Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody is a match for the devil. But a baby Christian born again for one day, the devil's no match for the Jesus in him. I want you to get this. There's no reason why you should be depressed and defeated in life if you're a born again Christian. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. How do you know that verse, Pastor? Well, when I was a baby Christian, I got tired of losing. And every time I heard my pastor give me a verse, I wrote it down. He told me back then, we didn't have all the technology now. He said, buy a pack of three by five cards, write these verses on them. Stick them in your pocket. Put them on your refrigerator. Put them on your mirror at home. Carry them with you. Start learning these verses. Get them in your heart. So I learned 1 John 4, 4 as a baby Christian. 
that greater seeth in me than his in the world. And I refuse to let the devil make me sick, depressed, broke, poor, want to commit suicide or any dumb stuff anymore, to get drunk, get loaded, go out and get in sexual perversion anymore. I purpose that the Jesus in me was going to be greater than the devil out there, and I wasn't going to let him take me out anymore. Amen. So what am I, t- I tell you, young people, there's things you've got to do if you want to win in life. I saw, I saw in Romans 8, 31. How do you know that verse, Pastor? I heard my pastor preach it probably 37 years ago, and I wrote it down. And I started studying Romans chapter 8. I didn't pull out my cell phone and just say, hey, man, I'm going, oh, wait a minute. I was going to Romans chapter 8, but I see this Google game. Goop, 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 goop. I didn't do that. I had carried a Bible in my pocket, a little Bible, and three by five cards, and I didn't get all Google goggled up. I got worded up. And so I wrote those verses down, and I learned to put them in my heart. And then what did you do after that, Pastor? When the devil attacked my mind, put temptation on me, I'd either pull those cards out and read those verses out loud and say James 4, 7 says, well, how do you know what James 4, 7 says, Pastor? My pastor taught me that, and I wrote it down. And I didn't just hear some nice sermon in church, made me feel good, get goosebumps, walk out the door, and say, oh, man, this, what's the use? I'm going to get loaded again. I didn't do that. You know what I did when I left Sunday morning church? I went, I, I went out and I ate, and I went home, and I rested up for Sunday night church. But what did you do after that? I worked on Monday and Tuesday, and I worked on Wednesday. said, oh, I can't wait till 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock's coming. I get to go to church again. And then what did you do after Wednesday night? I said, I can't wait till 8 o'clock Saturday morning. We've got a men's meeting. Oh, I can't wait to get over to the men's meeting. Somebody said, hey, man, we're going to do this, 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 this. I said, man, i got a men's meeting. I can't do that. I need Jesus. I want more and more of Jesus. That's what I want to do. And so that's where I learned James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I learned that. And so Romans 8, 31, if God be for me, who can be against me? And so I come to find out that all the different people that come against me in life, all the different oppressions, the depressions, the lack, and everybody wanting money all the time from me and all that kind of stuff there, I learned that God was for me, so it didn't make any difference who was against me because God was for me. And I come up with this for me is this, is that me and Jesus are the majority. I don't care if there's a thousand people that tell me I can't make it. When Jesus tells me in Philippians 4.13, well, how you know what Philippians 4.13 says? My pastor preached it and wrote it down. And then when I wrote it down, I carried my card. And what did you do with that card? At every opportunity, I pulled that card out. I began to quote Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I began to quote that till it become real to me. Then when I was tempted, I was tempted to go back and do things that I shouldn't do. I said, no, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I don't have to have that beer. I don't have to have that cigarette. I don't have to listen to that dirty joke. I don't have to think about those sexual perverse things because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I receive strength from Christ. Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking to the young people in this church who are just getting started in life. You're out there, you're looking at lack of opportunity for jobs because of the economy today. You're looking at lack of insurance. You're looking at health things. You're looking at things you're doing with in life. What are you going to do about the kids, et cetera, et cetera? I'm telling you right now today what you've got to do if you want to win. Amen? How is that? Well, because I was young, now I'm older. I'm a grandpa now. I was thinking this morning as we was worshiping right here, 
I've got two sons-in-laws that are, that are soldiers. I've got a son now that's a Marine. I've got a grandson that's an Army Ranger. And so we've been around. We've, we've raised some kids. We've watched some things happen. And we have had a lot of battles. We've won a lot of battles. We've lost a few rounds. But when we found out what happened, we got up. We said, that won't happen again. We're not falling for that again. That'll never get us again. Because we found out what God said. He always calls us to triumph in Christ. Second Corinthians 2.14. How you know that, Pastor? Well, when I heard my pastor preach, I wrote it down. And, you know, I want to tell you, you come to a church like this, I highly recommend you bring paper, a pen or a pencil, look at your outlines there, and then when you write things down, in my Bible up here, my son preached, Pastor Dave preached about three weeks ago, some things I never understood from the Word of God yet about the will part of the soul. I never understood it. I took notes on a Sunday night three weeks ago when he taught that, and I've got that page out of my notebook in my Bible. Every day I read my notes. I've been reading them every day for three weeks, what he taught three weeks ago, because I got revelation. He's got the same Holy Spirit I do. You've got the same Holy Spirit I do. And so the Holy Spirit, through my son, taught me from the Bible three weeks ago about the will part of man I'd never understood before. I'd always preached on spirit, soul, and body, but I never touched the will part because I didn't understand it myself. I was in church on a Sunday night, and my son taught that, and I got it. So every day I read those notes, I look at those verses, and it's become real to me now where I can preach it. But how would you get that? Well, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I've been young, now I'm old, but just because I'm old don't mean I quit eating. I'm going to keep on feeding on the Word of God. Why are you going to keep on feeding on the Word of God? Because I want to grow. I want to be stronger. I don't want to lose. I want to help people win in life. And so the way I can help people win is if I keep winning. Anybody get anything out of this? Amen. We're going to show you how to win in life. And so uh, we've got a lot of grandkids. And we've seen some things. We've helped some people. We've been pastoring for a long time. And so today, just take the notes and listen and receive off of a man that was young, now and older, had a lot of experiences, been through a lot of good times, a lot of bad times. And the main thing is, is I'm still living, I'm still growing, my family's succeeding in life. Oh, so you said you got a perfect family? Man, I got a family that we've been through so many things you don't even want to hear about it. But the main thing is we always come out on top. We stick with God. God sticks with us. We do what he shows us to do, and we always win. Amen. Somebody said, you're bragging. No, I'm testifying. Paul said that God always causes a triumph in Christ. So I'm saying what Paul said, and we are. And so anyway, I've, I've, got a good, I've got a word for you now. Life happens. Life happens. And so how you choose to deal with life will determine the quality of life that you live. Life's going to happen. You can't help it. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. The sun, the sun shines on the just and the unjust, Jesus said. And so the thing is, is that bad things knock on all of our doors. Bad things try to happen to all of our families. Bad things try to happen on our jobs. Bad things try to happen with our health. 
bad things try to attack our minds. There's things out there all the time because life happens. And so what we choose to do with life is going to determine the quality of life that we have. And, uh, you know, I think, I think about, you know, the, the glass thing. It's just, it's just such a real thing. Some people are so negative, their glass is always half empty. But, you know, when you're walking with God, you see that your cup runneth over. Not only is it half full, but he said in Psalms 23, my cup runneth over. So if you stick with God and you learn to look at things through the eyes of the Word of God, you're not going to be that negative person. You're going to start having a different outlook on life. Life happens. You know, I was talking to a young person a couple of days ago, going through some really serious things. I said, I want to tell you something. What you're telling me you're going through, half the young people in my realm of influence tell me the same thing you're going through. You're not the only one. The devil always wants to isolate you. The devil wants you to think you're the only one dealing with housing issues for your children. You're the only one dealing with not enough money issues. You're the only one that can't get the health care you want. You're the only one that needs a better job. You're the only one that needs a better car. You're the only one that fell in that stupid sin last week and tried to get back up again. No, everybody everywhere has to deal with life. The difference is, are you going to choose when life hits you in the face to deal with it through the eyes of the Word of God? Or are you going to go back to how you used to think about it before you knew God? Are you going to start looking back and thinking back like it was back then? And every time you do, you're going to go down. But if you start thinking about things like you hear taught in the Bible at a church like this, like, wait a minute. Pastor said he was young, and now he's old, but he used to be young. Well, he must have been a 30-year-old dad one time. Well, he must have been a newlywed one time. He must have had babies at one time. We had eight babies. Eight children between us. Lots of grandchildren. We know what it is to be pregnant and have no food for the house. And back in those days, no handouts everywhere to give us food for the house. Have to pray and to cry and get the little paycheck come in. And they give 10% to God and not rob from God and say, Lord, we got a choice. We either tithe or we buy food. And I know it's more important to tithe than to buy food because I know if we tithe, we're coming out from under the curse and the wind is heaven over us, blessing us, so we chose tithe every time. Amen. That's how we dealt with life. That's how God came through for us because that's what we did. So I want to tell you, if you listen to what we're saying... Somebody that was young one time, and still young in the spirit, that you can win in life. And so I've seen, I've seen many Christians choose to walk away from Jesus or to continue to listen to this. I wrote this down when the Lord was giving me this sermon. Or to continue to live in sin and disobedience and miss out on the blessings of God. You cannot continue to live in sin at disobedience, enjoy the blessings of God. But I've never seen a believer that's fully committed to the Christian lifestyle felt to enjoy a good life. And I'm not going to hit on sin today. The Bible teaches real plain what right and wrong is. If you read your Bible, listen to your heart, you know if how you're living is right or if it's wrong. You know if what you're doing is right or wrong. If you're born again, you've got the same Holy Spirit I do. And so the whole thing is, 
you have to know from the Word of God things you need to quit doing. You're the one that has to choose, God, I need help. I'm doing this. I know it's wrong. Help me get away from doing this. I want to change. I want to do right. I want blessed. And I know this is hindering me, Lord. Help me. And I'll tell you what, God is so good. What I was praying while I go at the start of this service, that is mercy. You know, good people that are living right don't need mercy like people that are doing wrong do. But why would mercy be in the Bible if it wasn't something God wanted us to have? Stop and think about what I'm saying. Why would mercy be in there if it wasn't something God wanted us to have? We're the ones that have to cry out sometimes and say, Lord, I cannot believe I fell for that again. I can't believe I said that again. I can't believe I got suckered into that again. But Jesus, I did. Forgive me, Lord. I ask you for mercy. Help me to turn my life around, Jesus. And Jesus told us, Jesus told us we're supposed to forgive our brother seven times 70 in one day if our brother wrongs us. And so how much more will God forgive you seven times 70, even in one day, if you fall? You know what the, you know what the secret is? You have to get back up and say, Jesus, help me. And you know what Jesus is going to say? Come on, let's go. And you do it again. But as long as you get up and say, Jesus, help me. He's going to say, come on, let's go. Somebody said, I don't understand that. I don't either. That's why the gospel is called the good news. It's so good, your mind can't believe it. Somebody said, what did he just say? I'm going to say it again. The gospel is good news. It's so good, your head can't figure it out. But your heart knows it's right. Your heart knows that God said he's good all the time. God said, if I confess my sins, he'll forgive me. God said he'll give me grace to help me go. God said that he's merciful. He's good forever and ever and ever and ever. And so that's the good news. But the thing is, man does have a will. And we have to have the will that if we get on a wrong road, we have to will to come back to God's will. God's will is God's word. But you've got your will. And so with your will, you've got to say, Lord, I will do right. I will get up. I will go do that apology. I will go apply for that job. I will give that back. What do you hear a funny story? This, this, this is a little buddy trail, but I just saw it, so it's so good. <laughs> back when I was a center truck driver, back in the 60s, back and somebody said, well, you are old. No, I'm a little bit older than you, but I don't know how old that is compared to somebody that's 90 years old. But <laughs> anyway, back when I was a truck driver, my company... We always call it a great tape. It's called duct tape. We had two kinds of tape that our company used to tape up boxes on these semis if something busted open before we could send it on. We had really good gray tape, and then we had this old cheap yellow tape stuff that peeled off and everything. Anyway, when the trucking companies went through a bad time, I'd already stolen enough gray, t- gray tape to take care of my needs at home. So I had, <laughs> I had my gray tape stashed at home, and about a year before I got saved, the company quit using gray tape. And they went to all this yellow tape. So I got bored again. I got bored again. I still had a roll of gray tape left in my garage. And every day I walked past it, I couldn't use it anymore. 
I'd look at it and I'd start sweating because I knew that God wanted me to take it back and give it to the company. <laughs> I'm telling you, talk about tender hearted for God. You got to do what God wants you to do to do things His way. And so I'd walk out, I'd look at that gray tape in my garage, and I'd go, No, I can't do that. But I knew I wasn't going to be able to go on with God and being blessed if I didn't obey what the Holy Spirit told me to do. And so I, this went on for a while. So one day, I forget if I stuck it up my jacket or what, I took the gray tape into the job there, kind of walking past him, and I put it over there on the tape rack. I kept on going. I remember those center truck drivers come walking in. Where'd that come from? So they get great tape back. We got great tape again. I just. <laughs> what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm telling you, I've been young, now I'm older. If God puts something in your heart to do, to make restitution, to do something in life, then do it. If God's telling you to go to apologize to somebody, do it. If God's telling you to do whatever it is in your heart, you know you've got to do those little things. Those little corrections will cause the Holy Spirit at your receptivity and your cell phone, if you will, that'll cause you to get on a better program to where you're hearing better if you obey Him in the little things. Amen. And i tell you what, I took that gray tape back. It didn't cost me anything. God prospered up to buy my own gray tape. <laughs> oh, boy. that help anybody? That's the stuff you got to do. And so you need, you need to obey God. Whatever it is, he tells you to quit doing, quit doing it. Whatever he tells you to start doing, start doing it. And so uh, according to the Bible, what is a good life? Well, I want you to look at Third John, verse 1, towards the end of the Bible, not the Gospel of St. John. By the way, there's my notes from Pastor Dave's sermon. I got both sides of the paper filled up. It was really good. That's probably on the Internet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you can go online and hear that yourself. Maybe you'll learn. It took me 30-plus years before I finally understood that. Now maybe you get it quicker. 3 John, verse 1, starts off saying, The elder. I circled that. Because this is another older guy talking. This is the elder, Apostle John, talking to the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And then he says, beloved. And so, the elder. And so this is another great man of God that walked very close with Jesus, tells us what Jesus considers to be a good life, talking to the beloved. And so, I consider you my beloved. You're my beloved congregation. You're my beloved people that God entrusted to me to be able to tell you the truth of his word to help you. I don't think if you're a pastor, you probably don't understand the love of God said a pastor for people to help people to win. But a real pastor takes his calling so seriously that all we want to do is help people. And to help people, we've got to speak the truth in love. You know, a politician, to get your vote, will tell you what you want to hear. A pastor doesn't care about your vote. A pastor cares about your life. And so a pastor will tell you what you need to hear. And so I think about this, what he said, the elder to his beloved, that that's just like King David. said, I've lived a long time. John said, I've lived a long time. John was one of Jesus' inner circle apostles that even at the Lord's Supper, it says that John laid his head on Jesus' chest. 
and just was that close to Jesus, fellowship with him. And then John, at the end of his life, after the other apostles were dead and gone, he still lived to be well over 100 years old. And because they were persecuting Christian leaders so seriously, he was put on an island called the Isle of Patmos. He was there banished. They tried to kill him. They boiled him in oil. He has come out laughing and praising the Lord. He didn't die. And then Jesus appeared to him and told him about the last days, which we see in the book of Revelation. So that's a man that walked with Jesus. So when Jesus says through John, this is the elder, this is an old guy, it's not just an old guy, this is an old guy that walked with God for a long time, he says, I want to tell you something. Here's what he said. He said, Beloved, I wish, or I pray, above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health. That's what God considers a good life. Prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. And so young families, everybody, but particularly young families are looking at lack, looking at housing things, looking at baby medication things. Look at what are you going to do about the job life? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? Jesus wants you to always have more than enough money and material possessions. That's what he said right here. He said, above all things, he wants you to prosper. A prosper means you're not broke. A prosper means just like the same thing King David said in Psalms 37, that, that the righteous lend. They're not beggars. This is what the Bible says. Somebody said... I'm really having a hard time believing that. Do me a favor. Shut your head off. Shut your goofy cell phone Google goggle games off. Listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. Quit feeding on bad news. You know, I don't know how many gigabytes you got, but I praise God that I'm grandfathered in. To my old Verizon original plan from 20 years ago. Well, that's because I've been young. Now I'm older. I'm grandfathered. I have unlimited data. I can turn my cell phone on and I can listen to preaching on there off the internet all night long, all day to day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, because I have unlimited. But you younger people probably have limited plans. And so if you've only got two or five gigabytes or whatever it is, and you fill it up with junk, then you won't get what I'm saying today. So I'm saying this. What I'm telling you right now from the Word of God, that this man of God said that above all things, God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be in health. Well, what exactly does that mean? That means if you're sick, He wants you to get healed. But he'd rather you not get sick. But if you do, he wants you healed. That means if you get laid off, God wants to be your source, take care of you anyway. That means he wants you to have enough food. That means that as a born-again child of God, when your family members get laid off, you want to be able to say to them, Hey, come over to my house, man. We got plenty over here. We got plenty over here. And they look at you and they think, Huh. That's those Jesus people. And if they got plenty, and we're in the same mess, but they got plenty, maybe it's got something to do with God. 
Well, that's what King David said in Psalms 37, 26. Said the righteous lendeth, and they giveth, and they have mercy on people. And so that's the will of God. You're not supposed to be the beggar. You're supposed to be the giver. And I can say, from being young and now being old, when I hear this stuff preached like this, I sit there just like you, thinking, man, I'd sure like to be the giver, but right now, I can't even make my payment on my house this month. Oh, I wish somebody in this church would give me some money so I could pay my house payment. Oh, everybody in here, they've all got it made. I don't even have enough money to get gas to get to work on Monday, but i got to go work on Monday because if I don't go to work, I won't get a paycheck. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I used to sit out there like that. I was the one when I was young was going through those things. And so that's what I'm telling you. We have passed the test. I always got the gas to make it to work. I remember back in the days, back in the, boy, I remember things really got rough back in, I'm not going to say which president it was, but man, back in the days we had a really goofy president, really goofy president. I remember when gas went up to $5 a gallon back in Indiana for a while. And I remember when I only had enough $5 every day I could buy a gallon of gas, make it work one more day, they paid us in cash, but I'd get another $5 up to the United Station, and I'd make it back home again. The next day, I'd go back and get another gallon of gas because I had to have some money to buy some food with the stuff. I remember those days. We made it. I remember the times that I'd get two or three months behind. And then all of a sudden, man, we'd get blessed again, have to do some more. Then I'd hear the pastor get up and preach this stuff. Say, let's bless the missionaries. And I'd sit there and I'd be the one thinking, well, come on, let's bless the church. Let's bless the people. I'd think that. But I realized that he was preaching the Word of God, and the Word of God was always right. So I would stick with the Word, and I want to tell you something. She and I are not hurting for food, but we used to. Our house payment's always made. We're going to pay off our house a whole lot sooner than later. We've got good transportation. We're able to help our kids out in life with some financial things sometimes and things like that. But it wasn't always that way. We had to do what the Word of God showed us to do. And I, I, hope, the, I hope the young people are getting this. Sometimes it looked absolutely hopeless. Hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. And we would do whatever we had to do to get to church every time the doors were open. If they had some kind of special thing going on, we were there. We always wanted to be a part of it because I knew, man, that's where the blessing is. I've got to get back there and get the help. Hey, man, somebody shout. Amen. And so Jesus wants you to have more than enough, but there's a condition. Now look back at that verse. He said, even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. And so, after living for 37 and a half years, I've learned a few things. It makes me so sad as a man of God, as a believer, when I see young Christians that choose to live a casual, lukewarm Christian life. It makes me so sad. I know that in our church, we are, we are gaining more and more young Christians and other Christians that are hungry for spiritual things. My prayer at this church for years was this prayer. I said, Lord, give me hungry young people in this church like I was, like Gary Regish was, like Pastor Janice was. When we got born again, I met her in church, by the way. I didn't meet her at the bar. Well, duh, maybe that's why your marriage has worked all these years. Yeah, duh, maybe it is. 
Better at a prayer meeting in church. You know what? I wasn't worried about her backslide going back to the tavern life because I met her at the prayer meeting. She was already in the Jesus life. Can I tell you something else, too? She didn't marry me to evangelize me to get me saved. She married a man she already saw went to church every time the doors were open. So she didn't have to get the, the promise. Well, honey, if you marry me, I'll go someday. Just marry me so I can have sex. Don't look at me so innocent. I was a sinner man one time. And so she didn't marry me to get me saved. She married me because I was saved. And you know, has anybody ever seen where Jesus said things like this, you'll know a tree by its fruit? Well, if you look at an apple tree, what do you expect to see? You look at an orange tree, what do you expect to see? You look at a Christian, what do you expect to see? Christian fruit. What is Christian fruit? Well, the word Christian comes from Christ. What is Christ's fruit? He loved. He spent time in God's temple. He treated people right. He talked about Jesus, about his life, who he was, what he did. You didn't say, well, I wonder where Jesus is at today. Is he down at the bar? You think I'll find him at church today. You never wondered where he was going to be at. You never wondered what he's going to talk about. You never wondered what he'd be smoking, what he was drinking. You never wondered what the newest dirty joke was going to be he was going to tell. And so if a man is a Christian, ladies, then you ought to find him in church. You shouldn't have to marry him on the promise, Honey, I'm going to go someday, just marry me. You don't marry him unless he's already hooked up in church because he wants to go, not because you're begging him to go. Well, I want to tell you again, I've been young, now I'm older, I'm a grandpa now. I don't want my granddaughters marrying some goofy guy that never goes to church, never has Jesus' fruit, yet tells my granddaughters, well, I love Jesus as much as you do, don't judge me. I'm going to tell my granddaughters, you judge him. You judge him. Somebody said, well, God doesn't judge. Well, honey, what part of the Bible have you not been reading? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we take communion in this church every Sunday. He says, judge yourself or God will. (laughs) Um, What can I say? I've been young and I'm older. I'm a grandpa. And if my Army Ranger grandson ever gets on the ball, I'll be a great grandpa. Man, I'm looking for that day. But anyway, even as your soul prospers, and so you can't live. Listen to me, young people. You can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in church. Expect to be blessed. Somebody said, but what do you mean with one foot in the world? At one foot in church. Man, you judge yourself. I'm not going to judge you on that. The Bible tells you a lot of things you're supposed to do as a Christian. A lot of things you're not supposed to do. If you're still doing the ones you're not supposed to do, then you got one foot in the world. And somebody said, well, yeah, but God loves me. 
yeah, God loves you, but you're like the cell phone. Man, your battery's charged, discharged. You're away from where the signal's coming out at, and his love can't get to you. How many here, just a question, how many here ever do our devotions we put on the Internet and give out every Sunday, every month? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I sent a power-packed bus to Josh he put on the Internet yesterday for the month of August all on loving God and loving people. That is so good. But the very last verse for that series I just put on the Internet is uh, Jude, verse 21. And you know what Jude, verse 21 says? It says, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Well, a few years ago, the Holy Ghost told me what that means is this. Keep yourself under the protection of the love of God. Keep yourself under the protection of the love of God. I don't like it where the certain parts of Cajon Pass we go through. We're in the middle of an important call, the cell phone going up the road. Not while we're driving, only the passenger. But going through the Cajon Pass, and all of a sudden, you have to say, Thou if all of a sudden you don't hear me, I've lost reception because we're going through there there's not reception. Can I tell you something? Unless you're a sinner, you're probably not going to get reception from God sitting in the bar watching pornography, drinking booze and smoking dope. Trying to mess around somebody you're not married to. You're going to lose reception. If you want to pick up reception again, get out of the past get on the high ground, the straightaway where there's no obstructions, I'd call that being back in church. I told you I'd hit some buddy trails that help you. So keep yourself. This is June 21. And somebody said, how could I remember that? Well, back when I was a baby Christian, my pastor told me a verse. I got out my cards. I wrote the verse down. I stuck it in my pocket. And I learned that verse. Jude 21. That's the last book of the Bible right before the book of Revelation. God said, keep yourself in the love of God. Well, Pastor, I'm kind of dense. I know you are. That's why I'm helping you. I'm dense sometimes, too. That's why I still sit under good preaching, because I want to not be dense anymore. So what does it mean to keep yourself under the love of God? Well, number one, come to church. The love of God's in the church and the people in the church if you're in a good church. Number two... If you're watching stuff, you can't watch. I'll give you an example. The other day, we, we, we got the Western Channel and Channel 20. Basically, other than watching some news things, that's all we watch. We call it DVR. We DVR programs from a long time ago. We like to watch old cowboy shows. So I, call, I saw a cowboy series I didn't remember, and then come find out it was made in 1990. And so I thought, I'll, I'll go ahead and and record a few of those, see what it's like. And so I recorded a half a dozen of them, so finally got the other day to turn that thing on. It's a 1990s cowboy show on TV. It came on. First thing I know, there's this guy in this saloon scene like all the cowboy shows have. And next thing I know, they're heading for her bedroom. And I told Mrs. Pastor, I said, well, we don't want to watch this series. Took it on delete. Took them all off. What were you doing, Pastor? Keeping myself under the love of God. I wanted them to be protection of the love of God. God in the Bible gives guidelines for sex. God gives guidelines how to treat people. And so if I, through my TV, invite those things in, I might as well be inviting perverts into my house to be able to minister in my house and leave their ungodly anointing. I don't want it. Well, what should I do, Pastor? 
Jude 21 is God talking. said, keep yourself under the love of God. And so what you've got to do when you know things would grieve God. Ephesians 4.30 says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Do I have to tell you one more time? How do you know Ephesians 4.30? Because my pastor told me and I wrote it down. Ephesians 4.30 says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And so if he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, that tells me it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. If he tells me to keep myself under the love of God, that means it's possible to get up under the love of God. Somebody said, well, God loves everybody. Well, right now, right now, there's a whole lot of things going through the airwaves that if you have to be on that channel of that frequency, you're going to pick them up. And just because you're not picking them up don't mean they're not there. God is broadcasting every day on the God channel. And I'm not talking about some satellite channel on your TV. The God channel. The God channel is the Word of God, the Holy Spirit to believers that are listening to Him. Every day He's broadcasted. If you're not hearing, that's because you're not tuned in. Even as your soul prospers. So you must purpose in your heart and follow through with words and actions to grow and develop in your faith. You've got a purpose in your heart if you want to grow in your faith. That all starts with an act of the will. You've got to say things like, I will grow. I will read my Bible. Somebody said, well, Pastor, where do I start at? Well, I'll tell you, to me, a good place to start in this church, the first Sunday of every month, we give you that handout, those devotions that the Lord puts on my heart for this church. Go, if you don't have the devotions with you, then uh, go to the website, just do the high desert thing. Go, he puts across Facebook, punch the link for High Desert, and it pulls up the devotions. And we have a lot of times we have a little short message on there, what we call our blog. Where did the word blog come from? I don't know. It's just some kind of new word, blog. So we put something in our blog where somebody in this church talking about things that are going to help the church. And so that's a good place to start. Start reading those devotions, and we'll be on the same page. But you've got a purpose. You're going to grow. Get a plan, and then start following. Look at Matthew 24, verse 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. It says, and Jesus said this, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Have you ever heard of the expression, somebody dies said they passed away? This says the Word of God's not going to die. Hebrews 4.12 says it's alive. How do you know that? My pastor told me, I wrote it down. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God's alive and full of power. So I've learned this very important spiritual truth as a baby Christian. Listen to this, because I'm talking to these young people today. The world and society have changed a lot since I grew up in the 50s and 60s. Man, it's not Ozzy Harriet, Dobie Gillis, and Gilligan's Island anymore. Well, I'll tell you, those days are over with. People of my generation have seen a very serious spiritual moral decline in our nation in the, in the last 40 years. We've seen things change. But, but, one thing that's always remained the same, Jesus said right here, the principles and promises of God's Word are just as real and true today as they were when Jesus spoke this 2,000 years ago. Tithers' rights 
still work. Love never fails. Holiness always pays off. Turning the other cheek is always the right thing. Somebody said, well, Pastor, I don't know about that. Well, Jesus said, heaven and earth pass away. His words not pass away. Look at Hebrews 13, 8. Hebrews 13, 8. Well, Pastor, how'd you that verse in the Bible? I'm going to fool you. I went to Baptist Sunday school when I was a boy. They had that on the front of the church I went to. <laughs> Didn't get that one off my pastor when I got born again. I got that one off Brother Dixon at the Baptist Temple. Hebrews 13, 8. says, Jesus Christ is what? The same when? Yesterday and when else? When do we live? Wait a minute. Your answer too quick. What are we living? Was Jesus the same? And today, come on. Listen, I'm going to tell you what I've learned. There's some young people in this church, they don't care about the tomorrow part because they're hurting today. They don't care. Let me look. Can, can I give you a little thing about religion, what religion does? And tell me, if you've ever been around a religious preacher, religious people, a religious church, you've heard this. Well, God don't do those things now. Well, it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. If he did him yesterday, he does them today. Well, well, no, he's not going to do them today, but he's going to do them, he's going to do them in eternity. They always want to keep God in the past or in the future. He's going to do it again, but not in the now. If you're a young mother right now and you need food, you want to see some fish and loaves multiplied today. You want to pray over that soup and see that soup grow today. You want to see those loaves of bread expand today. You want to see those tennis shoes last another year. Am I telling you the truth or not? And you know, the children of Israel walked through the desert for 40 years and said their shoes didn't wear out. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm glad I'm past the point where I don't have to wear the same pair of shoes 40 years. But praise God, if you're in the place right now and your kids are going through some stuff right now, clothes, you don't have the money, you got a choice between food and clothes, you want those clothes to last another two months. So Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Not only did he do it then, and not only he's going to do it for all eternity, but he'll do it today where you live at. That's the thing you've got to know. Jesus knows. If you're wanting to put your child in a, in, in a Christian school, Jesus knows what the Christian school money cost. And I'm not taken away from all of our good, wonderful Christian school teachers. I call them missionaries. I talk about our public school teachers. They're missionaries to the public school system. And those heathen kids, man, they need these loving Christian teachers in those schools. But you might be in a place in life where God's dealing with you. I know there's a couple families in the church that they're switching to Christian schools this year. They've really debated and fought the money part, what to do. And all I can tell them, if God's put that on your heart to do it, that God's the one that said, I'll supply all your need. He'll do it. And so if he did it yesterday, and he's going to do it tomorrow, he'll do it for you today. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ is the same. The Word of God doesn't pass away. That's why. And so Jesus has never changed. People may change. Political parties in power may change. Economies may change, but Jesus never changes. Jesus still wants you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, I'm going to close 
But I'm looking at a couple of things in Matthew chapter 6. And, you know, I, I've seen these young faces in my prayer closet all week and preaching this to all of us. But I'm just so happy that I'm the place in life that we can go down to the grocery store and we can buy what we want to buy. Don't look at the bill till we pay it. And then if we're having a cookout for Joe's going away party like we did yesterday, because I spent another $90 just on the ribs and the corn and the stuff, just after already spending all that money a couple of days before for our grocery to go do that. And I didn't even think about it. I put a dent in our budget. Just know we got the money, we can do that. It wasn't always that way. And so see, what I'm telling you is this. You stick with God, things will turn around. Things have changed where you can buy what you really want and not use the MasterCard. But talk to the Master. And the Master has more than enough. Sometimes I think that he ought to cause a pester instead of a pastor. But now let me pester for a minute. Don't want to, but I have to. Young people... One of the best things you can do for your family right now is to have plastic surgery. They said, you called us ugly? No. Get out those MasterCards, those Visa cards, get some scissors, and go snip, 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 cut that plastic up, throw it away, and say, Jesus, from now on, I'm going to look to you to be the one to take care of me. It's okay to have a debit card, a check cashing card that you've got the money in the bank to do. But I want to tell you what the times we live in, the last thing you knew need to have is somebody else somewhere making billions of dollars off the hurting people of America, taking your money every month, and then you go out and buy goofy stuff you don't need to where you can't buy the groceries you do need. Then you buy groceries you do need, and then you have to pay for the groceries you ate for the next six years. Somebody said, boy, that was a mouthful. Yeah, it was. Matthew 6 Verse 24, no man can serve two masters, can either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. What does that mean? That means you don't make decisions in life that are serious decisions you have to make based upon money, You based upon what does the Word of God say? What's God saying to my heart? What's God tell me to do? Can I tell you something? I'm going to tell you anyway. I've lived a long time. And I know sometimes young people have to hear that. Say, oh, I know that, I know that, I know that. I've seen too many people lose when they were good Christians that come from a bad background that started coming to church every week. And, Pastor, I'm going to take this job. I want to tell you, you won't see me for a while. Why won't I see you for a while? I have to work every Sunday and Wednesday nights. But, look at all the money I'm going to get. I can tell you right now, I see it flashed across my spiritual screen, face after face after face after face after face. They got away from the anointing, tried to serve the money. They started serving the money, and then all of a sudden... Their resistance level was down. And then when the co-workers wanted to go get a beer, oh, I could go, I'll just drink Coke. Well, they didn't just drink Coke after a while. They started drinking the beer again. 
They started smoking the dope again. They started doing the other things they used to do again because the resistance went down because they started serving the money instead of God. And notice that God said he wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You start serving money instead of God, then money is going to start becoming your God again. And what are you doing, Pastor? I've been young, now I'm old. I've seen things happen. So this whole passage here, I'm just going to go ahead and buzz through the whole passage here. He's telling you, don't worry about food. Don't worry about clothing, that God's going to take care of you. And then verse 31 says, Therefore, take no thought, no anxious thought, saying, What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Or what are we going to uh, do for clothing? He said, After all these things... Do the Gentiles seek? That means people that are not God's people, people are just sinners, people live in the world, people have been born again. So they're seeking what are they going to eat, what are they going to drink, what are they going to do about education, what are they going to do about health care. He said, they're all seeking those. He says, your Heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. He says, but instead of going for all the things, he says, seek ye first the king. Oh, I got I got a. I got this right at the column. There's a dash right there. Seek the king. The kingdom. Well, every kingdom, there's a king. Seek, seek the king. That's Jesus. He said, don't go for the stuff. Go for the king. Go for the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things shall be added unto you. And so, verse 34 says, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, tomorrow shall take thought for things that self-sufficient, the days the evil thereof. That means tomorrow is going to have enough problems of its own. You believe God day by day, put him first today. You'll get gas money today, like I used to get the five bucks a day. I got it every day. You'll get the gas money. You'll get the food money. You'll come through the pregnancy okay, have enough nutrition, the things that it takes. But he says the key is always put the things of God first, and you will enjoy a good life. Always put the things of God first. Always put the things of God first. I want to say it one more time. Always put the things of God first and not a preacher making up some kind of fairy tale telling you what Jesus said. Jesus said, your father knows you need those books. Your father knows you need that tuition. Your father knows you need that better car to take this better job. Your father knows that those shoes are going by the wayside. Your father knows that that party's coming up this week and you invite all the little school kids over to your house for this party. Your father knows you need that birthday cake. Your father knows you need those balloons. Your father knows you need those little gifts to give out to those little kids coming to your house. He knows that. He said, put him first and whatever you young families need, God said through Jesus, said your father knows that he'll give it to you. Amen? Amen. So, young people, Jesus wants you to live a good life, but you have to live for Jesus. Amen.